Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, the podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Bobby Flint. I'm Maggie Flint. I'm Josie Flint. We are here to tell you that the Original Cast now has merchandise available for sale at bit.ly slash original cast store. There are t-shirts, tote bags, manic stickers, and coffee mugs. So get yourself, I can't, I have rehearsal t-shirt. Get a tote bag. I'd have a standard logo. Or a heretofore and never seen alternative logo. Get a baseball shirt. Why a baseball shirt? Too bad. <laughs> Copy mugs. Please buy something. Because our dad is in the arts. Because our dad is in the arts. It's, it's gets cold at night. Cold at night. And we're hungry and cold. And adorable. Bit.ly slash original caster. Please buy things and support our dad. I have to say something more else. What do you want to say? I can't. I have a song. Why are you <laughs> doing this to me? Need a little Christmas now. Whenever my world falls apart. I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor, musician, and theater practitioner. It's Stephanie Ridgway Johnson, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on today. Of course. Thank you for being had. It is lovely to uh, to talk to you. I've been greatly enjoying your music, and we will talk about all of that today. But first, you're here to talk about... In the Green. I am so Until I die, and when I can no longer run, I'll teach myself to fly. I try. Uh, my face goes numb. I so, try. Stephanie, you you have succeeded in 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 finding what what we call in this show a Zeitler. Uh, I had never heard of this show. Um, at least I thought I hadn't, and then when I uh, dug into it, I realized I had heard about it when it premiered off Broadway, but I had never listened to it before. So I was excited to dig into it. Um, but before I give you my impressions, I have to ask, how did In the Green come into your life? Uh, so I found In the Green through a friend who discovered it via TikTok. So TikTok just continues oh, to wow. be such a great resource for theater makers. So she shared a video kind of talking about the synopsis of the show and kind of the impact of the music so i found it on spotify and gave it a listen and it really you know affected me yeah i mean it's it's an incredibly affecting that's usually we chat about the show a little bit before i ask you to give a synopsis but i i I don't think there's any way to talk about this show in a way that the audience would understand without 
asking you to summarize the story of In the Green for everybody, if you could. Yeah, so the story follows a medieval composer and Catholic saint, Hildegard von Bingen, um, kind of on her path to sainthood, but it starts in her childhood and how um, the things that she went through in her childhood impacted her later on in her adult life. And, and mainly the, the show is about her relationship with the person who's I don't know if she's the main character exactly, but she's a, a large character in the the only other full character in the show, which is Huta von Spanheim, who is a uh, what they called an anchoress, which is someone who is locked inside of a, a, a church and uh, on purpose and is sort of like a hermit. Um, so it's a very unconventional uh, story. And of course, it is true. These are real people who really did interact with each other. Yeah. So I think in the show or the way they describe it in the show is she's someone who's chosen death, this anchorist character of she just doesn't interact with the world. She gets food and water and that's it. She kind of just lives in this cell and then um, is a mentor figure to Hildegard. So what was it about the story of of Hildegard von Bing? Was she somebody you were aware of before you heard this show? She was someone I was aware of. I actually went to a um, Catholic college for my undergraduate degree. So despite me not being Catholic myself, I was exposed to a lot of kind of feminist figures in the Catholic faith throughout my um, time there. So I did some readings um, that she wrote about her time there, which ended up getting referenced later on in the show. Um, So I was vaguely familiar with her kind of role in the Catholic faith. And I think she's kind of grown in popularity um, in, you know, the Catholic community, especially in recent years. Because she was a composer, a writer of hymns. Is that correct? Yeah. So she did a bunch of stuff, um, especially for being a woman at the time. She was a composer. She also was a scientist. Um, She wrote so many kind of writings about her daily life and the women she interacted with and the people she interacted with at the time. So she was just this multi-hyphenate kind of person, which is maybe why so many people today find her so interesting. In in listening to this uh, album, which I hadn't, had never heard it before, I was really struck by the fact that they don't, this isn't like Amadeus. She's not like learning to compose music from, from Hutta. She's learning how to be a whole person but the music is so interesting that you're never it's never really far from your mind this idea of, of composing and, and music i mean all this acapella and uh, you know arrangements and repetitions and, and basic sampling almost um the music is kind of alive inside of the show yeah i completely agree and something that i think is really cool especially in terms of, of modern musical theater i think a lot of modern musical boundaries by how how high can we sing or how can we push the range in a certain way whereas in this show it's like how how can you make this sound that you don't typically hear especially in like the musical theater canon in particular sure well and isn't always pleasant either i mean i will yeah there were some songs in this that were really uh, intentionally kind of grating to listen to because what was happening in the scene was great. You know, it was very connected to the action. I used to be broken like you. 
So definitely those moments of either dissonance or really uncomfortable sounds I thought were were very impactful, especially if you were understanding what was happening in the plot. And then just thinking about like Grace McLean, who like her history working with Dave Malloy on Natasha Pierre and the Great Common of 1812, like yeah. his work and knowing Alice by Heart with Duncan Sheik, like both of those other composers she's worked with also kind of do kind of odd things with music in their shows to help reinforce the plot. It has it. And it does have to me one, one show that, that popped into my head, which I don't know if this is one of those, like, because I knew she had worked with Dave Malloy things, but like a show that popped into my head a couple of times while listening to it was octet. Um, that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So good. So I'm not alone. Thank goodness. <laughs> no, not alone. <laughs> it has that, I mean, not, and not just the acapella-ness of it, but the arrangements, the way the songs kind of fit together, you know, and this actually now I'm, I'm yeah. looking predates Octet by a little bit, but it does sort of have that, that very. Influence. Yeah. It's in there. It's, it's sort of deeply seated in there. Um and it definitely feels like she and Dave Malloy must have just had like a bunch of conversations <laughs> together as they were writing these pieces. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, she was with Natasha Pierre from the, you know, from the off Broadway all the way through Broadway. So obviously they worked together a lot. So yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. So what was it about? I mean, you've obviously been looking at your resume and looking at your website. You've, you've been into theater for a, for a long time. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say that I've been involved in theater um, probably since about the fifth grade, but I've had a passion for it even longer. So what was it about this show that really sort of grabbed you and made it, you know, so, so recently in, in your in your career and your experience that, that it really stood out for you? I find ensemble heavy shows, even if they're a small cast, to be so exciting to be a part of and also to watch. I really like shows like Come From Away and like Great Comet or Octet, where it's just all of these characters are working so closely with each other and helping each other um, along the way as actors throughout that story. And that's kind of why I think this um, soundtrack I thought was so cool as you can tell how tight knit this cast would have to be in that kind of a production. So. In your career, so how long have you been writing music? Uh, so that was a quarantine project. In 2020, I decided, hey, I have all of these songs that I just write and I don't do anything with them. And I just want to put in the time and effort to try and make something out of it. So I started um, collaborating with producers in my area and kind of creating marketing projects on my own and just pushed it out because I wanted to do it for myself. And do you feel, I mean, you, the music I've listened to of yours that, that is on Spotify, um, 
and from you know novelty idols and and on purpose and 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 those those titles that are available do you find a kind of connection between the music that you write and the music in in this show at all I definitely think I feel a stronger connection to that music with my unreleased projects, which I know that's kind of unfair because people haven't heard them yet. Um, But I think what was really exciting about being able to do Novelty Idols was I wrote all of those songs about one experience, one point of life like I had, um, which was over the course of just one summer, really. So I think kind of the the narrative of those songs, I think is really nice to have in just one project because I know all of the experiences that they relate back to. And in a way, it's kind of narrative in that way to me. So when you write music and, you know, when you, com- when you compose a song, are you, is it generally in the sort of music theater vein in the sense that you are crafting stories, you're talking about a character, you're working through an experience, or do you just sort of sit down and and say, well, I'm going to write a song and it let, and let that sort of part find itself as you're writing. I definitely feel uh, a lot of my songs, sometimes they have different approaches. Like sometimes it's like, I feel like this is something I want to speak about that I have a frustration with in the world. And I see that reflected in a certain character that I can write the song through. And I've had so many exciting experiences approaching it that way. And sometimes I've gone through a a deeply effective experience and I can attach it to kind of a lyric that I come up with and then write my way through that emotion kind of to process it. So there are definitely a lot of different approaches I can find with it, but I do find, you know, kind of finding a character, whether it be someone from literature or through kind of like myself as the character to be really exciting and cathartic. Your songs are very character based, I would say. And I like, I enjoy that a lot. I'm finding a lot of similarities between your music and um, the music of Haley Jane Rose, who I just had on the podcast in, in the sense that it, it is, it is all very character based. It is, it is wit has a lot of wit to it and um, has a focus to it, which keeps me intrigued track to track. You know, I, I really want to keep listening to what else is, is, is coming, coming through. So I, I appreciate you for that very much that you're, you're, you're focusing on that, that style of writing. Um, but I don't know if it's because, you know, you said that you pick this album and then I listened to it and then I listened to your music, but I did find that uh, some similarities i don't know if it's 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 musical or just tone similarities between this and and the stuff that grace mclean writes and in in the green um and i wonder if you were conscious of any sort of in in even in the enjoyment sense that you find you maybe enjoy her music a lot because it's the sort of music you like to write um similarly i wouldn't call them exact but similarly yeah, I'm sure that it definitely does impact like how much I enjoy her music, which I didn't I had not discovered her album when I was writing and producing the tracks that I released, but I'm sure that mm. you know, listening to the album now, it could definitely influence the choices I make in the future of I could definitely add these kind of acoustic dissonant sounds in this part where I want the listener to maybe feel a bit more uncomfortable or kind of get this emotion out of someone. So what is it this is a huge question, but you okay. just, it just popped into my head and I don't want to put all this on you. So we'll just, we'll, we'll just skip it if you don't want to, but like, I imagine as a, uh, a young 
uh, female identifying songwriter writing very personal music, there is a certain amount of pressure to be positive or at least funny all the time. And I appreciated that you, I, maybe the, one of the connections I found was that you did seem to sort of not just like in, in the green where, where, like I say, Grace McLean will not, will not run away from a dissonant chord. Will not, will run full steam at a, uh, a difficult topic, but of course she's writing a show. It's a perform, you know, a, a musical about somebody it's based on some realities. She's obviously extrapolating her own things into it, but she's got the cover of the show a little bit. Whereas your sort of your music is just you out there, you know, do being you and, and saying the things that you want to say. And I wonder if if I really found it to be interesting that I think your music has a kind of a raw edge to it in terms of subject matter. And I wonder if that's difficult, if the pressure is sort of in the other direction. I think as a theater maker, um, I sometimes have this desire to look very put together and perfect in some way as a uh, female identifying person. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with music, kind of maybe what was nice about opening that door for me was because it, all of the songs did relate back to one very strong experience. It kind of got to a point mm -hmm. where it was like, I know that this is negative, but I don't necessarily care what other people think because this is for me and mm -hmm. I get to express this. And it was actually kind of funny when I originally worked with my producer, the first song that I produced with him was titled fantasy which is kind of a more angrier maybe negative track about someone and he said that I kind of earned some credit with the other people that he worked with because the first song that I did was a diss track which is not something you expect <laughs> out of you know a very pleasant to talk to young lady you know <laughs> that's what I mean though it's this this, this weird, yeah I mean it's 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 bizarre that 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 assumption still exists as I imagine it. It, it just does everywhere that, that, you know, you pr present a certain way and you're, you're, you know, as I say, female identifying and, and, and I just say very pleasant to talk to, which I can attest to after the last half hour. And, <laughs> Thank you. and, but you know, your, your, your music does not shy away. It, I wouldn't call it aggressive. I wouldn't call it edgy. It just doesn't shy away from some more, difficult experiences which is is excellent one of the things i get a lot out of in the green one of the reasons it's it's enjoyable to listen to is i do feel grace mclean's connection to this story i feel her passion for it in in the show and you often can't you know from music like i mean I, it's one of the things i think people really respond to in hamilton to use the sort of like large example um but also in Tasha Pierre and other pieces, like when you have a, a one artist working book, music, and lyrics, they really better connect to the material in a very serious and passionate way. And whereas I don't, like, I I would never have looked at the story of Hutta and Hildegard and gone, that's that's a musical, you know, and that's or that's a this, even this kind of musical. I feel that connection when listening to In the Green, and. It's just something that I think that's what makes good music. That's what makes good theater. That's what makes good everything is the artist's personal connection to, to the material. I definitely agree with that. And I'm sure maybe while Grace can't identify with all of Hildegard's life experiences and uh, Huta's life experiences, uh, you can definitely feel that through line of like the struggle to go from a girl to a woman and maybe feeling too much in that role or 
struggling with spirituality and feeling like you, you can't fit in within this correctly. So kind of seeing that struggle in the music was something I, I definitely identified with. Um, and I'm sure that Grace identified with as she was writing it. Because it really could go in some bizarre directions and some other like other way. Because like if, if you just sort of told me about Hutta and what, what an anchoress is, I would not have found that to, to have been an act of bravery and defiance. You know, it would have seemed kind of an, uh, an over, overly zealous religious dedication to me. Could that be because I was raised Catholic and went to, you know, 14 years of Catholic school, eight of them single <laughs> sex? It's entirely possible. But, you know, the sort of general renunciate hermit lifestyle is, is, is a, a very, very alien to me and not something that I connect with. But it is presented in this show as and I mean, she was raised with great privilege and great wealth and she throws it all away defiantly to live the life she wants to live and that is you know for a woman in that time period especially that is a tremendous act of bravery and that certainly is how the show presents it and it really made me look at her from a from a different angle than I would have if I just you know read a wikipedia article on this person and i think also just even thinking about hildegard's kind of role later in her life how i mean as a woman being able to be a scientist and a composer and do all these other things because she had visions and um, was considered more connected to God kind of allowed her as a woman to elevate her role than what it might have been otherwise. Yeah. Cause I mean, choices were limited there in the 11th century. Uh, right. What you, <laughs> what you could do with, I mean, choices were limited all over, but it was pretty, pretty bleak. If you were a woman, you know, born in, in a uh, female identifying born in that period of time, that would have been uh, pretty rough. So I, it, it was, it was so interesting to look at a story that is, you know, a th- almost a thousand years old and find find these two, you know that 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 grace found these two defiant women for different reasons and defiant in different ways who came together and changed their world you know that time period you know the the and and really did something extraordinary within the confines of what they had available to them so you know it's it's a remarkable achievement on that level i think yeah definitely and also kind of to to take nuns, which I think previously in musical theater, you just think of sound of music and kind of these flashier <laughs> things um, and giving them some like edge and more maybe deeper vulnerability and kind of some darkness and exploring that as well. Yeah, I can't imagine what it must be like to be. I really it's interesting. You went to Catholic college having not been raised Catholic. That must have been a very interesting culture shock for you. Um, it certainly was in a lot of ways. What was nice about it was they definitely didn't, you know, force you to partake in Catholic activities if you didn't want to. Uh, but kind of what was nice is I went to an all women's school. So kind of being surrounded by, um, like minded peers and, um, kind of becoming closer with people who who were you know nuns or of um, the Catholic faith just like seeing um, how deeply they were affected by their spirituality was really you know beautiful to see from my friends and the people that I spent time studying with what took you out to 
to St. Mary's College in Indiana? Uh, well, my stepdad had always been a really big fan of Notre Dame. Um, uh-huh. And then <laughs> I, yeah, I got a piece of just admissions mail um, through the mail and, and I was really interested by it. And then when I visited the campus, they were just so overwhelmingly kind and generous with their time. Um, and they just remained kind and generous um, when I was a student there, um, there's such a, a huge, deeply felt community between all of the students that have gone there and that I've met. Um, so it's really created a lot of, um, I think, like lifetime lasting bonds with the people who I not only studied with, but the people that I've met after the fact, just running into them. Oh, that's really, that's great. <laughs> that's sort of yeah. the ideal experience. In, in, yes, in for sure. All because your stepdad loves loves Notre Dame. That works. All because he loves Notre Dame, yeah. <laughs> that works pretty well. I, Notre Dame's great, too. We love them over there. <laughs> sure. They're over there. You know, they're doing whatever yeah, they're doing. Yeah, they're across there. the street. That's just what it is, you know. They got a big football stadium, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it also seems like, just from reading some of your experiences, that you, you it is a program that gave you the opportunities to do a lot of interesting uh work and have some great master classes so exposed you to all kinds of stuff yeah uh, they definitely offered me a lot of different opportunities i think something i really appreciated about that program was how many of the experiences were typically student initiated so um, a lot of my peers and myself would work so closely together kind of collaborating to make artistic opportunities that we could partake in um, which i think is so valuable as a theater maker because you go out into the world and you know you get to create your own opportunities and figure out how to um, advocate for yourself. Um, so I lived in Indianapolis for about a year before um, 2020 happened and COVID kind of reorganized everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved collaborating with theaters in Indianapolis. I worked at um, the Booth Tarkington Civic Theater, which is a community theater that has so much for the community there. Um, and then collaborated with a lot of theater makers there. And then Um, when COVID-19 happened, I moved back to my hometown of Dayton, Ohio, where I worked with, um, quite a few, uh, theaters and have continued working with them. I just finished up a show, uh, last October or November, um, with a, uh, theater company called The Nerve, which they do shows kind of like in the green where they're kind of edgier and they're exposing the community to different types of theater that they might not see at their local community theater. I asked this question of everybody who comes on the show who writes music because I'm fascinated, but how, what is your process? Do you, do you set yourself like a time, like I'm going to write this period every day, or do you wait for an idea to strike and then work it, you know, work it and work it and work it. What is your, what is your process? Um, I definitely feel like some songs I will wrestle with for months where I have this like perfect, like opening lyric or perfect chorus, but I just can't, I struggle constructing the rest through it or around it. Um, And there have definitely been songs that I just poured onto the paper in five minutes because I had the idea and it just was ready to, to be done. Um, So I think sometimes the, Uh, It definitely depends on the emotion I'm working through or what I'm kind of experiencing because 
Um, sometimes there's just like a topic that I'd love to write about, but it's just so difficult to process my emotions on it that I, I can never finish the song. Um, so I definitely feel like 90% of the time I just get struck with like a lyric and I'm like, oh, that's what I've been trying to put words to. And then I can kind of construct the experience from there. Do you usually start with words at least as a, a kickoff or is it, is it kind of both at the same time? Um, I typically start with words that have like a baseline melody that I kind of can assign it to. But mm. as I add more words in, I'm like, well, that doesn't really work anymore. So let's kind of go back and rework what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that's, yeah, that sounds a little confusing sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's good. So how much stuff do you, uh, oh, this is an interesting question. Um how much uh, do you end up throwing stuff away as a composer? Because as a, as a playwright, I mean, I end up, and I've talked about this before, I always end up with working on a, on a scene or whatever, throwing away a large chunk of stuff that I've worked on because it no longer fits or because it needed to be rewritten or whatever. How much disp- like material do you end up going, oh, that's, well, that was a lot of fun, but it's gone now. Yeah, I definitely don't, throw everything away like I always save the words see if I can rework them somewhere else but even um for example um second hand which is kind of like a slower sadder song on my EP novelty idols I um that was the first song I ever wrote and I rewrote it the week we recorded it so all of the lyrics were not originally what I had written when we finally like sat down to record it so Sometimes just taking a step away and then coming back to it, you're like, actually, I think I can just take this one idea and scrap everything else. What what caused that to happen? Um, well, actually, I had written a lot of the songs during the time I was experiencing a lot of the things that inspired them. But Secondhand was the first song that I wrote during that time. And I think just time outside of the experience and then being able to reflect on it i Mm. just had so many more new ideas of what that time was actually like and how i felt during it the truth at the surface i pulled it back beneath the waves the earthquake didn't hurt us but the aftershocks remain all of our friends probably think i'm pathetic something that influenced me in ways that I didn't even realize was from the time where I originally wrote that song to the time I, you know, rewrote it and then produced it and released it. I had read so many more books and I had listened to so many more albums and seen so many more new ways of telling stories that I'm sure just expanded my own lexicon of being able to tell my story. Is your music hard to perform live? Um, because of the pandemic, I've never performed oh, true. it live. Oh, true. Good point. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> which and I guess that maybe is a downside of being a theater artist it's hard to perform live when I'm like also constantly jumping back into shows but sure. it's definitely something that um I would love to try and push more to do especially because I'd like for my future releases to maybe be a bit more acoustic or have more of that ab ability in an easier way for me as kind of like a one-man show mm -hmm. um but I definitely feel like I'm very proud of this first project, even if it might be a little bit harder to perform live, just the yeah. way that we produced it. It is very produced. And I mean, I don't, I mean that in the best way that the music is, is very crafted and it would take, you know, a team probably <laughs> to put it up on stage with you. Uh, so that's why I asked because it, 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 it and it also, it's interesting that you, kind of came at it I, I wouldn't say backwards but it isn't like you know you, you imagine the typical journey for somebody who like releases and writes and releases an album is they perform on stage for a while and they try some songs out and then they do you know whatever and then they come in and they record them and this really sounds like you wrote them alone if that's the case how did did you sort of just like take take some demos around or did you know people who who you know produced recordings and were sort of like wanted to try to work with them what was your process on that um, so I reached out to a few people online and was kind of like, hey, I want to produce these songs. I don't know how, how to go about doing that. And I had a few people who were like, yeah, I like do this in my spare time and I'd be interested in doing that. But how I found my current producer that I worked with on my EP Novelty Idols, uh, his name is Daniel Thomas. He's based out of the Dayton, Cincinnati area. And he um, has his company called Heartland Creative. He actually messaged me on Instagram. And through Instagram, we were able to kind of connect and start collaborating. And now we have this awesome collaborative relationship, which I'm so thank you, thankful for and find to be so valuable. So how did you get into to teaching? How did, was it, it, it just sort of something you'd always wanted to do or was it something you developed as you got out of school? I'd say it's definitely something that's developed more as I've been out of school, but it's something that I've been vaguely connected to for a very long time. Um, so I'd say kind of my sustaining jobs outside of, you know, art specific work, I um, also teach. So I think just another passion that is very helpful in my role as a theater maker and an artist and music maker. It's good to see because it, it is something I felt like they're all, these ideas are all always very connected. Um, and the, the idea of, you know, performer, teacher, creator, these things all go together very, very well. And um, it is, it is it is great to see you know that that sort of philosophy come to life in someone like you who is it is out there in the real world in in practice. Um, so that's really, really are you at, at this a stage in your sort of career where you you don't you don't feel the need to to focus on one thing as you float among these three sort of disparate and connected ideas? I definitely say that I am getting there and feeling more settled in that and feeling like, oh, I'm, I think I want to do this now. And why can't I just go and, and do this and, and add to what I am kind of creating just so that I can try it and experiment it with it and see what comes from it. Um, and, and see how I can work with more people and by doing that. So what do you hope 
to how how do you hope to push yourself in the coming years with with any of these are you are you looking to combine in any way are you looking to you know use your music to write a stage show or are you looking to keep them kind of separate and see which one sort of fulfills you the most how do you look to to expand your horizons in the in the coming years i think that's something that i am definitely interested in i think that um right now i mean because all of these kind of separate industries whether it's like kind of teaching or theater and acting or writing music specifically like they all can have such big goals kind of individually but you can also kind of synthesize them and have them interact um i know that for music i definitely want to write and produce like a full length album and maybe add some visual components which would kind of tie in theater um you know kind of continuing to push theater and teaching together would be just wonderful wonderful for me but also if teaching just stays with you know english or kind of whatever i'm doing at the time and that's also totally fine um but just really trying to push to um create a stronger community wherever i'm at um and feeling fulfilled with what i'm doing and like i am creating a positive change with what i'm doing as well. Well, that's all we can hope for, i think, really. That's all we can hope for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just do your best and hope that it makes a change somewhere. That's really really that's a, a great attitude, Stephanie. I think that's wonderful. Um Oh, thank you. Hard crashing back into in the green, though. I have yes. to ask. <laughs> <laughs> as i ask everyone, uh what is your favorite song? Um, that is such a difficult question. Um, <laughs> Not, it really, you know, it is especially difficult, I think, on this recording, because yeah. this, the, like I say, it feels a lot like one piece of music. Yeah. Know, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, okay. I think, so I really like the, the lyrics of I Am Hungry. Um, mm. So I really like that one. And then going right into Eve. I really like those two songs um one right after the other but I also really like Little Life so those those will be my top 3 for for right now but maybe that could change <laughs> it'll change as, as time goes on yes that's really I I found I really enjoyed the ripening that was a song that really struck me listening to it of this body that is rotting all i've ever wanted is to be free i know when i was first um listening through the soundtrack on spotify spotify would just loop it and i just wouldn't even realize it had started yeah. over until um that first um kind of plot based song started again so i will i will at this point confess So the first time I listened to this uh I had it on shuffle and I didn't realize. Oh really? So the first song I heard was 
oh my gosh, I don't even remember. It's the one where she tells, it's Confession, I think was the first song I heard. Okay. She tells the story about Agatha. Agatha shares the bed with me, but she has not been there at night for weeks. Where does she go when she leaves through the window? I want to see. I follow her across the river. I see Agatha and a man on a bed of leaves. She doesn't see me. I don't want Agatha to leave me, so I tell Mama what I saw about Agatha and the man. And Mama's angry. Agatha's in trouble. And it's all because of me. Now Agatha's changing. She's swollen with something. What has gotten into her? What has gotten into her? And I was like, oh, wow, this is an interesting way to start this show. But okay, we're good. And then I don't remember like what order they played in, but it, it, it took me a few moments for me to be like, I have to, like, I think cause usually what I like to do is like to listen to the album and then go read the plot synopsis. I like to, and then listen yeah. to it again. You know what I mean? Cause I like to let the album sort of present itself to me by itself and not, and not worry about like the story if I don't know it. But this one where I was really like, I was three or four songs in listening to it on shuffle again. And I was like, I really got to read this and see like what, yeah. what it's about. <laughs> cause like, it doesn't, it's very, you know, heady. And, and then I started to read and went, Oh no. And then had to go back and be like, ah, okay. Well, that explains that. And then I found it was so funny about it was then listening to it um, in correct order. It suddenly started to, to make sense in a very unusual way. Like it crystallized in a really interesting way uh, that I didn't expect it to for something that is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's very unusual composition, like I say, and, and, and kind of out there in concept and in execution, it still hangs together very, very logically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's, it's like, it fits together in a very interesting kind of puzzle, like just a brain teaser you've never seen before or something like that. Yeah, I completely agree. It really, it's an, it's an excellent achievement. I'm, I'm really glad it, uh, exists. I'm also really glad they never tried to put it on Broadway because I feel that would have killed it in a really specific and sad way. Um, yeah. Because it is not a Broadway show, <laughs> you know, kind of at all, yeah. I don't think. Um, that's, I can definitely see that. And I think something that I've seen um, kind of a lot of, not necessarily criticism with, but commentary on is like the example of the changes made to Hades Town is they cut mm. like quite a few or they cut songs or changed lyrics in a way where people really miss the original for what it did to the story. And once it transferred to Broadway, it was just so different, mm. um, which they're, they're happy with both, but kind of longing for when it could have just stayed kind of raw and original. Yeah, this is, I mean, also if you look at production photos or you look at like the, um, the video like playbill put out you know a highlights video like, as they sometimes do with these things it, it it is very you know they're in a literal box like it's really closed in together and yeah to sort of take it out of that would be would be wrong it you know what i mean like it's this is the kind of show that i mean you could do it at circle in the square on broadway you could do it in the round possibly but i wouldn't want to throw this on a proscenium you know at the at the imperial like just let this this let the i love that it exists where it exists in the sort of 
lexicon and i would love to see someone tackle it i would love to go see this show and really see what people do with it yeah yeah and i think that letting um these kinds of shows like exist where they fit most naturally i think is just so great and it makes me think about kind of like site-specific theater that Mm -hmm. um i've seen or heard about where like oh this show could only be as like you know, life-changing as it is or as effective as it is because it's in this space and they're like allowing it to exist within this space. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it is, it is a, a, I'm very glad you brought this show to my attention and gave me the opportunity to, to listen to it with purpose uh, because it really challenges you on a, on a, on a very visceral level. And like I say, it is, it, parts of it are difficult to listen to, uh, but it's purposeful. And I, you can always tell the difference when something's sort of like <laughs> difficult to listen to accidentally or difficult to listen to on purpose. And it, this is really a, a, a challenging show. And I, I was uh, very glad to, to now have it in my, in my library. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. Uh, Stephanie, this was a lovely conversation. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at SJ underscore Ridgeway on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow my Facebook page, Stephanie Ridgeway Johnson, and you can find my website at www.stephanieridgewayjohnson.com. Stephanie, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was such a delight to be able to chat with you. I really am trying to be good. I'm digging and doing what I should. So what is this fire inside me desire? The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for t-shirts, tote bags, magnets, and more. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Stephanie Ridgway Johnson for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Hi. Feeling itching in my skull. I have an inclination to climb the